Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Excited about things. It's so cool to be here with you guys. And uh, yeah, we've been longtime friends of uh, this house and Leo and Christine in particular. They, they are dear friends of ours. And uh, I believe there was a little thing of a family wedding that took place this weekend. How exciting is that? And uh, uh, if you don't, if you don't, I was telling um, Leon actually earlier, I said, I'm actually going to be a granddad for the first time in August. So very excited about that. I don't know why I'm sharing that with you. I'm just excited about it. So uh, that's the privilege I have. But I do want to honor your senior pastors, Leon and Christine. As I say, they've been incredible friends to us, not only to us personally, but to our local church. And, uh, and they are some of the best. Um, I don't, sometimes we don't always appreciate those that we have, but I want to say that they are top draw. They are some of the best that you're ever going to find. And if you're looking for a local church to be part of, and you want to say, can I trust the local leaders? I want to tell you that Leo and Christine Nakotra are some of the best that you're going to find. And I would endorse them 100%. And uh, hopefully today, if you're in any doubt, any mind, what I've said to you today is actually really settled something for you. And you're saying, actually, I need to make this place home. You'll be in good hands. And not only their hands, but the team that's here are just an incredible team, and you would be blessed to be part of this community. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, I've entitled my message this morning, Stronger, Stronger. It really is a theme that God has gripped my heart on, and it's been something that uh, I've really been meditating on and preaching a lot about in the last little while. But I I do want to uh, minister to you about this. There's so much I could be saying, but I want to zone in on some stuff this morning Because the question I want to ask you is simply this, what strength are you operating out of? It sounds like such a simple question, or perhaps an even more specific question is, whose strength are you operating out of? Because I don't know about you, that even though I've grown up in the church, or not grown up, I I only became a Christian at university, but I spent many years as a Christian, and, and it's amazing how even though you know many things, very often you can find yourself relying on anything but God's strength. You can often be relying on your own strength, because how many of you know you can become a professional Christian? Yeah, you know, after a little while, you've been at church for six months, a year, two years, five years, ten years, all of a sudden you kind of know what the go is, you know kind of what you need to say, you know how you need to look, you know what you need to do, you know what kind of prayers you can pray, you know that if you play in this certain key, it releases the anointing. I'm being naughty right now, yes, mate. But, you know, there's some stuff that we can do that, that, that you kind of almost don't need God. But the reality is we do need Him. Because actually, He created us that way. And the reality is, is that we're only going to walk into the abundant and best life that God has for us if we learn to walk and live in His strength. It's a daily thing. It's something that we need to be continually revisiting and saying, God, how am I doing on that? Am I truly living in your strength and out of your strength? Not out of my own strength, but out of your strength. And uh, the, the text that, that for me is the key text that is a well-known one, Philippians 4 uh, verse 13 says it this way. In the New King James Version, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want you to think about that. I can do all things. That means everything that life has to throw at you, everything that comes your way, you can face whatever comes your way through Christ who strengthens you. That, that, that for me is just like such a profound scripture 
that if we were truly to get that into our hearts, we'd be living a very different way. The amplified version of that says it this way. I'm ready for anything. Are you ready for anything? I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me. I love that word. Who infuses me. Who infuses me and infuses you with inner strength and confident peace. God wants to infuse your life. The Passion Translation, which I've been loving recently because it just brings out some lovely, beautiful nuances of the Scripture. And it says this of that same text, the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer. The strength of God's explosive power. How many of you know that God's power is explosive? It's not just kind of like tame and, and, and dialed down and, and, and kind, of, kind of equal to every other power that you have out there. No, His power is explosive. And it's His power that infuses us. If you think about, you take a tea bag and you talk about, you know how we all love these, these, bottle, uh, um, these things of um, water now that are infused. Apparently you can now buy water that's infused already with tea. and uh, I don't get it, but anyway, I just want water. But apparently it's a thing. But it infuses. What happens? The water actually begins on to take on the nature of that which has actually been put inside of it. And so it actually becomes, and it's, it's all fused. You can't separate it out. And it says, God's explosive power infuses me, infuses you to do what? Survive? No. It infuses you to conquer, to live a victorious life, to overcome whatever is facing you. And I just love that. I love the fact that I actually serve a God who's a conquering God. And the fact is, his, the, the, the victory is not in doubt. The victory's already been secured. We are living in the, these glorious days of knowing that Jesus won the victory on our behalf. We're coming up to Easter. We celebrate that, that he, that he didn't just go to the cross, but he got down off the cross. He didn't just get down off the cross. He rose again from the grave. And because of that, we know that we live a victorious life. He infuses us to conquer. He wants us to live a stronger life, and everything that we need to do that is found in Him. You know, the dictionary defines stronger this way. This is fascinating. It means to be spiritually, physically, and emotionally powerful and fit. God wants you to be not only spiritually fit, but He wants you to be physically. Some of us need to hear that. <laughs> because actually being a good Christian is actually about looking after your physical well-being as well. And so we need to understand He's a holistic God and he, and he wants all of us to kind of be stronger. And so I'm learning as I'm, I'm 53 years old, I'm about to become a granddad, I'm even more aware of actually I've got to be on top of this kind of thing because there's now another generation. And I want to be around for them. And we've got to be physically fit and we've got to be, we've got to be emotionally fit. It says it means to be able to withstand great force and pressure. How many of you know that one of the curses of, of this day and age, this generation, is a lack of resilience? I'm amazed how children are growing up and, and people are growing up and they crumble at the first bit of pressure. They crumble at the first bit of opposition. They crumble uh, around things that, 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 that we just didn't, need, didn't necessarily do so in the past. And I think the answer is, is not necessarily to kind of be sent into psychologists more. And my daughter's a psychologist, so I believe in them, and I, and, and, and I think they have a wonderful place. But the answer is not to be palming off all those issues onto psychologists and all those kind of things. But we've got to start with understanding that strength is found in Him first. It's Him 
that infuses us to conquer and gives us an ability to withstand great force and pressure. You know, if the strength inside of you is stronger than the strength outside of you, you will survive and thrive. But if that inner world is not strong, that's when we battle to cope with life. So pay attention to the inner world. Get stronger in your inner world. Get stronger spiritually. Get stronger emotionally. Get stronger physically. And watch how you begin to thrive. It also means to be energetic. Who wants to be energetic? I want to be energetic. I want to have the energy of a young man. I want to be, 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 kind of be someone who has a powerful constitution. And look at that last word. It means to be long-lasting. We don't want to just be fly by nights at this week. We, yeah, I'm doing great. And next week, I'm on, on the floor dead. Some of us live our lives like that. We're kind of on this roller coaster. God wants you stronger. He wants you to live a long-lasting life. He wants you to, you, to, to kind of live a life that, that you would come to the end of your days and said, man, I ran the race well. And it means secure, well-built, indestructible, and well-protected. I want you to take those definitions and say, that's what God wants for me. Some of you don't necessarily believe that for yourself because of what you've been through in your past, but I want to tell you that is the truth of what we have in Christ. All of those things are the reality of our position in Him and who we are in Him. You don't have to try and make it happen. You don't have to try and earn it. That's what you have in Christ. And when you live in that, live in that strength, it's that that infuses you and enables you to conquer where His nature and your nature become as one. You know, it said about this in uh, Psalm 84 verse 5, it says, Blessed are those whose strength is in Him. Blessed are those. That means, that word blessed means happy. It means to be envied. It means spiritually prosperous. Spiritually prosperous are those whose heart, whose, uh, whose strength is in Him. In Deuteronomy 30, uh, 34, it's a text about Moses. And he dies at the age of 120. It's a good innings. You get to 120, you've done pretty well. You've, you've kind of, you've gone there, you've, you've really done well. We don't see much of that these days. But he gets to 120. But it says this about Moses. It says two things about him. It says when he died at the age of 120, he says his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. Two things that I actually want to have over my life one day when I go to be with the Lord. Hopefully they'll say two things. The first thing is this, is that he never lost sight of God's vision. He never lost sight of God's vision for his life, and he never lost sight of God's vision for his church. And the second thing is this, is that he also never lost sight of his need and dependence on God's strength. If you want to live your life anyway and say, what are the two key things I need to do? Well, here's two great things I think. If you held on to these things, God, may I never lose sight of your vision, and may I never lose sight of the need for your strength. It'll go well with you. Because that's going to keep you centered. That's going to kind of keep you in that place that God wants you to be. I need God's vision, and I need God's strength. You know, this morning, I, I want to look at, say, there's many different things I could speak about, but I want to speak, look particularly at this thought here this morning, and it's simply this, is that sometimes we kind of go, okay, man, I, I hear this thing about God's strength, and, 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 and can you pray for me so I can get God's strength? Well, we could pray for you, and there will be an opportunity to pray for you at the end of this message. But if you're thinking that that's the answer, I want to say to you that actually here's what I've discovered about strength, is that strength often comes 
as we journey along with God, then it comes before. I've learned this thing that actually it's kind of like as you step out, some of us are waiting for the strength of God to come first and then we'll step out. It doesn't always happen that way. In fact, a lot of the times in the scripture, it actually happened. It was as they stepped out, as they ventured, as they began to walk into what God had said, that that's when the strength actually came. And so we're going to unpack that a bit this morning, and we're going to look at what does that actually uh, look like. Because this is what I've discovered. When you go to a gymnasium, and I have visited those on occasion, some of you still don't know what a gymnasium looks like. You walk past them, oh, there's a gym, keep on walking. Yeah, did you go to the gym today? Yeah, well, I walked right past it, yeah. <laughs> Technically, I was in the vicinity. Some of you go to the gym and you go sit down at the cafe because they walk cafes these days and you have your latte and you have your whatever and you walk out again. You're just like, you're like, yeah, I went to the gym. But, you know, imagine going to the gymnasium and walking in and uh, you kind of get into the reception area and you kind of stand there and you kind of go, man, I feel stronger. I just by walking in these doors, I just feel stronger. The reality is you're not. <laughs> you're deluded. You might be feeling stronger, but the reality is you are not stronger. You've just got dressed up. You've put on the gear. You've got on Lycra, please. Oh, some of you, please don't wear Lycra. <laughs> we, we need a little bit, of bit more discerning when it comes to what we wear at the gym. You don't look as good as you think sometimes. I'm aware of that. I'm just like, oh, geez. You know what helps me with that? My wife. It's a great blessing. She's like, babe, no, don't wear that. My kids are even worse. Stronger. No, you don't get stronger by going up to the, to, to the first bit of equipment and saying, what a great piece of equipment you are. Man, look at you. You look like you could do some amazing things. Awesome. Move on to the next piece of equipment. You know, you're like, yeah, look at you. Oh, ab machine. Man, you look like you could get a six-pack on anyone any day. Awesome. Move on to the next thing. You know, you get the idea. That's not going to get you stronger. You only get stronger when you actually kind of begin to sit down at some of those awesome-looking machines and you begin to actually begin to exercise and begin to put some resistance Sometimes we, we kind of have this theology that says if there's any resistance, it can't be God. I'm like thinking, man, I've learned that God uses resistance all the time to grow us. God uses resistance all the time to strengthen us. Because He knows who we are and He knows what we need. And so sometimes we'll say, man, here's something, Matt, and you need a little bit of resistance. You need to learn to actually get a little bit stronger. And as you get stronger, He says, that's when you become more effective for me. And uh, you'll never become stronger if you just stand in the foyer and just kind of look at everything. You might be there, you may be present, but you're not active. And I think the key to getting stronger is getting active. Is actually getting involved, is actually putting your hands to things. You know, many people live their lives this way. They know they need a stronger marriage. They know they need a stronger family. They know they need a stronger faith, stronger habits, stronger thinking, a stronger emotional well-being, stronger self-control, stronger relationships, stronger connectivity. They know that they need stronger character, stronger priorities, stronger generosity. They know that they need stronger patience, stronger body, stronger faith. 
But until you actually get on that journey and begin to actively do something, then you're just going to be standing in the foyer of the gymnasium and there's a whole lot of potential for you to get stronger, but nothing's actually going to change. You have to do something. You have to actively do something. And so we get caught up in the same cycles year after year. And every time there's a, there's a call for prayer, we're the same people. Please pray for me. I've been leading church for a long time. And I've prayed for a lot of the same people a lot of times, at the same time every week. And sometimes I want to stop them and just say, you need to get stronger. <laughs> and I can't make it happen for you. This is what you can do in Christ. There's something that you've got to activate. Something you've got to do between services. <laughs> Hello? Something that needs to happen between services. Because let me tell you, this church does amazing services. It does. Some of the best you're going to find. But if you think that a service makes you stronger, <laughs> service not, it's not meant to do that. Service is a rallying point. Service is a point where we come together as a community. Service is a time where we come together and we worship God and there's a collective envisioning. Service is a time where we do that. The stronger part happens what happens in between all of that. And so I'm talking to you not as some guy that has it together all the time because I'm a real person who has real challenges and who has to get stronger. And so my challenge is, Every week, I need to be doing things to get stronger. You know, at the end of last year, I was actually due to come and preach here. When was it? September, I think it was. And uh, I was down to come and preach, and I herniated a disc in my lower back. At the time, I didn't know it was that, so I remember uh, uh, kind of, you got, who preached? You ended up preaching. It was like kind of last minute thing, because I was, I was holding out, I was believing, I was trusting God for prayer, miracles, prayer, pray for me, just like, yeah, come on God, just do this. And, and, it, and I was just, my back was literally spasmed all the way through, couldn't move, I was literally horizontal on my back, and, and I remember just pain everywhere, and, and I remember going to the doctor, and, and, and I'm sitting there, and my wife's Jill sitting uh, next to him, and they're having this lovely discussion about the back and what's going on and those things. And this is all while I've got like, like, like bolts just going through my back. And eventually, I'm, 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 I'm sad to say that I, I wasn't so Christian. I actually stopped them in the middle of the thing. I said, guys, I'm in pain. Give me something. You know, great man of faith, give me something. You know, just. Anyway, so the doctor, got, he's a Christian doctor, and he, and he, and he said to me, he said, uh, he, said, he said, look, Nat, he said, uh, uh, just look at me and, and look, we'll sort you out. This will be good. But he said, I want you, you're not going to believe me when I say this. He says, because right now you're in pain. But if we embark on this program of getting stronger, you will get better. And I remember that moment thinking, yeah, that's fine for you to say, sitting there with no pain, Mr. Doctor. But that actually started a process, and we ended up going to see a physio who was in our church, and it was about a six to eight-week process of every day just doing various exercises and increasing uh, stretches and doing various kind of things. And they all said the same thing. They said, hey, if you actually apply yourself to this process of getting stronger, he says, this need never happen again. 
And so I went through this process, and literally it was six to eight weeks of every day, just doing various times of the day, just doing these various exercises. And the reality is, is that, is that I stand here today, and I, want, I can say to you, is that I'm not in that place any, any longer. I, 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 God has done something. Did I have prayer? Yes. Was I trusting God for healing? Yes. But there was a process I had to embark on as well, which was that of every day doing something that would actually help me get stronger. And I feel there's a word there for some of us, because you're looking for the moment. And I'm a firm believer that God can do something in a moment. I've seen it. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in our church. God in a moment could do something. But sometimes He also just wants us every day to just take a step. And as we take that step, we get stronger and stronger and stronger. The... Um, you know, sometimes I think as charismatic Pentecostal churches, we sometimes our thinking can be a little bit unhelpful, I think. And uh, because, you know, we, 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 we just think everything's got to be instantaneous. Everything's got to kind of be in the moment. And as I say, I believe in that implicitly. And, and I say, I would always ask God implicitly first to do that. But sometimes I've learned it's on the way, not before but that he actually gets me stronger. And so I want us to have a look at a text in Joshua 3, just so you can actually realize I do read from the Bible. And it actually is a biblical principle. But Joshua chapter 3, and uh, we've actually got Leah and Christine coming to our church next week. Did you know that? They're coming to Canberra next week. And so, uh, sorry guys, we've got them. Anyway, Joshua chapter 3. And uh, the background, let me just give you some background here in, in the lead up to what I want to say, but here, here is the nation, it's under the leadership of Moses' successor, Joshua, and they're about to cross over the River Jordan into Canaan, the land that they had been promised. They're kind of in this place of between, between, they, they, they're not where they were, where they had been, but they're not where they needed to be. They're kind of in this in-between kind of place, and, uh, and, and, and I think that's symbolic of all of us, really. Because God has a preferred future for your life than He has a preferred future for my life. And the reality is we're not, all of us aren't there yet. If we're there yet, then take me now, Lord, if this is as good as it gets. The reality is there's so much more that He has in store. So we're not where we were, but we're not quite yet where we need to be. We're kind of in this transition kind of phase. And they, they, they find themselves that they come up against this Jordan River. And I want to say to you, everyone has a Jordan River that they've got to cross. Everyone's got this kind of obstacle that's in the way that you've got to cross between getting from where you are now to where God actually wants you to be. And what's interesting about this account you'll begin to see is that the Jordan River is actually in flood. And so it's actually flooding. And normally it would be about 100 foot wide, and, and they reckon that in this particular uh, spot about 10 foot deep. So it was a very hard river to cross normally anyways, but now it's actually in flood. And they're saying actually when it was in flood, most commentators would say that, that it would probably be uh, kind of as, as wide as, as uh, uh, kind of one and a half football fields. That's how wide it would get when it broke its banks. And actually it would be so deep that you couldn't actually stand in it anymore. And then of course there would be the, the, the flooding waters. And in fact, in last November, there were 11 people killed by drowning in the Jordan River. 
And it happens every year. There's people that are killed. So you've got to understand that when we're talking about Jordan River and flood, we're not talking about some little brook or some little stream that kind of was just a little bit higher of water. We're talking about something that you could not cross. We're talking about something that was in really dangerous to cross. And every one of us has a Jordan River before us, a point of crossing over to walk into that full inheritance that God actually has for your life. Every one of us has something before us. God has promised it. It is ours by His decree. It is ours by our position as sons and daughters of the living God. But we have to go and claim it. We have to cross over. We actually have to cross over that river, and, and we've got to rely on His strength in order for that to happen. Because you can't just do it in your own strength. You know, sometimes that Jordan can seem uncrossable. And it can seem like that for things that are going on in your life. Maybe you, it seems impossible for that relationship to be redeemed. Maybe it seems impossible for that marriage to be saved. Maybe it seems impossible for that job to open up or that miracle of healing to happen. Maybe it seems impossible for that person that you love to get saved, or maybe it seems like that financial provision is just beyond question, and it never seems like it's going to happen. Maybe that business deal or contract that you've been trusting God for just kind of seems like it's just beyond reach and like it's never going to happen. Maybe that God dream that you feel like God gave you as a young person, it just seems like it's never going to happen. Maybe that call to become a pastor or some kind of ministry just seems so far off and it seems like it's never going to happen. Maybe that work team that becomes dysfunctional at work and you think it's never going to change. You just never think it's going to happen. Maybe that habitual sin issue that you've been facing that constantly kind of seems to be tripping you up and you start thinking it's never going to, its power is never going to be broken over my life. Maybe that kid that, that has kind of turned away from God and is no longer wants to have a bar of church and you think, don't give up. That's why I love the testimony of Martin, was it? Dylan, Dylan, sorry, Dylan. Maybe, maybe you need to change your name, I don't know. It's just, maybe that was a prophetic word, I don't know. Just, that was my own strength, in case you wondered. That wasn't God's strength. But, but maybe, maybe you thought that someone's too far gone and it's never going to change. That son, that daughter's never going to come back to God before. I, I want to say to you, 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 you might feel like your Jordan River is flooding and it cannot be crossed. But as we're going to see from the story, and what's important to note, is that God wants you to cross it. God hasn't put it before you thinking that you're not going to get across. God's put it before you saying, I oh, know, we're going to get across this. And the emphasis on we. That we're going to get across this. That actually that which would seem like an obstacle, God is going to get across it. So we're going to pick it up in verse 7 of chapter 3. And he says this. And the Lord said to Joshua, says, today I'll begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests that carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you, uh, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. It's an interesting thing that he says here because 
I, I, I find the story fascinating because God doesn't back up the Jordan River. You go and read on the story, and he says, I'm going to back up the water. I'm actually going to cause you to be able to back up the flooding waters, and I'm going to cause you to be able to go and walk across this flooded river that you thought was impossible to cross. But God doesn't do it before. He doesn't do it beforehand and then kind of open it all up and say, all right, guys, I've backed it up. You now walk across. They actually had to kind of do something. He does it on the way. And he says to Joshua, just as Moses knew my strength, I'm going to show you and all the people of Israel that you are stronger in me. That when I'm at work in you and I'm working through you, that there's a strength that you have that you don't have outside of me. And no matter what's before you, that I'm committed to seeing my promises fulfilled, every single one of them. And so the priest had to go stand in this flooded, flooded Jordan River. And I want you to think about how crazy this would have seemed, seemed to them. They would have kind of been all over the shop. They would have been like, are you insane? This river, we know that people die in this river. We just know that just last month someone, someone drowned. And, and we heard about last year there were 11 people that actually drowned in this river. Are you crazy? Why would we go and do that? Why would we go stand in this flooding river that is so dangerous? And he says, but go stand in the river and God's going to show us something amazing about who he is. And he's going to cut off the rivers upstream and they're going to stand up in a heap. And a whole generation had already died out from those, those that had seen what God had done in the Red Sea. And, and so there wasn't even like there were those around that they were able to say, well, we remember what God did at the Red Sea. So, so we kind of know he can do it. That generation had gone. They might have heard about it, but now they're faced with their own River Jordan. And here's the thing is, we can't just rely on what others see. We've got to actually kind of learn to get, we get stronger when we face our own River Jordans. And we begin to actually trust God and His strength. And we allow His strength to strengthen us. And we begin to do what He does. And as we take those steps of obedience and faith, that God is able then to do what only He can do. But I can imagine the, the doubt, the fear, the unbelief, the anxiety, the questioning that would have come upon them. And, and I want you to think about this. They're probably going, hey, Joshua, you're telling us to go stand in the Jordan, flooding Jordan River, but you're not even getting in. That's leadership for you right there, hey? Isn't leadership supposed to be an example? That's what we teach. But here's Joshua saying, hey, priest, off you go. Go, go, go in the flooding Jordan River. And so they're fighting all these kind of things. They're fighting all these doubts, and, 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 and they could have been swept away, and, and they could have died, and they probably knew that there was a good chance they would die. But in their minds and their hearts and their spirits, they were faced with a decision to either do as Joshua had said and ultimately as God had said, or to stay where they were. You know, many people get stuck in this place. We kind of hear great preaching week after week. We hear the word week after week. We hear all the declarations and those things. But every time we hear those, we're faced with a decision. Are you going to cross the flooded Jordan River that's before you? Or are you going to stay where you are? Because here's what possibly they could have done. Maybe they could have done when Joshua said, just I want you to cross. They could have done this. They could have stepped back and said, okay, well, let's wait and see what God does. God has spoken. I'm sure that God wouldn't want us to stand in the flooded Jordan River. I'm sure uh, that, that, that Sal, he would actually want to back it up, wouldn't you? Well, that's a loving God, surely. And so I'm sure they probably had a moment where they stood back and half an hour went by, an hour went by. Two hours went by, where's the flooded Jordan River backing up? It's not happening. Because God, God doesn't do it before. 
He does it as we journey in a deed. And so, and so they had this choice, this decision to either rely on his strength or to stay where they were. And it, and it says this in verse 9. It says, come here. This is Joshua. And he says, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is amongst you and that he will certainly drive out before you all these tribes. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand in a heap. God gives strength on the way. As soon as their feet hit the water, then it'll back up. There's three things that I see here in this account that can help me and help you on this journey of getting strong. And the first thing is simply this, is that God's presence was with them. God's presence was with them. They took the Ark of the Covenant and they carried it on their shoulders. See, the presence of God is meant to be something that is carried on our shoulders. It's, it's meant to be something that you and I carry. It's not this distant thing that somehow is attached to a meeting. No, the presence of God is something that's very personal, that wants, He wants to be with you, not just here on a Sunday. You're going to have open heaven tonight, and, and I encourage you to be here, but I encourage you then to take whatever God does here tonight and take it with you into your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, your Thursday, and carry His presence with you. They had His presence. And, and, and this is significant because when we, when we rely on His presence, we're acknowledging that we're depending on God's strength and not our own. Do you know that the ark that they carried is actually represents the, was said to represent the presence of God? The word for ark literally means face. Face. It's as if the face of God was like this. All of a sudden, that becomes a lot more personal. It implies nearness. God is nearer than you realize. If you feel like you're facing a raging, flooding, Jordan river, I want to say to you, God is nearer than you realize. The ark represented the presence of God. I'm reminded, and I actually read this in my devotions this morning out of 1 Samuel chapter 5. It speaks about when the ark of the Lord was captured by the Philistines, the enemies of Israel, and they brought it back and they put it in the temple of their God, their false god, Dagon. And they put it in the temple of, of, of their false god, and they come back the next morning, and they find that their false god, Dagon, the, 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 the image has fallen on his face before the ark. And they're like, that's a bit strange. So what they do, they set it back up, and they go away, and overnight, they leave it there, and they come back the next day, and then they find out that their false, the image of their false god, Dagon, is once again flat on his face. Before the, uh, before the ark of the Lord. And not only is he flat on his face, but his head is broken off and his hands are broken off. It's a sign of authority and power. There is no higher authority. There is no higher power than what our God has. And when God's presence is in you and upon you and with you, you have a strength, you have an authority and a power that nothing can compare with. God's presence. The second thing that we see, I mean, if you're going to be stronger in His presence, worship, surrender, and thankfulness are just some of the key basic ingredients. That's why you need to be here tonight. Not because it's a meeting, but because you understand the connection between surrender 
worship, thankfulness, and ushering in God's presence. Because some of us, we whinge too much. Yes, nudge the person next to you. That's right. Nudge them. That's you. Maybe it's both sides. I don't know. Just nudge them. Sometimes we whinge too much. And I think we've got to change this, this, this national pastime that we have as a nation of being great whingers. We've got to change it around and say we want to be great praisers. We want to be those that give thanks. We want to be those that know how to worship. We want to be those that surrender. Stop complaining and just begin to surrender. And watch his presence. The second thing that we see is that they had a promise. Do you know that it's interesting that elsewhere, the ark, of, the, ark, the ark is actually referred to as the ark of the Lord, but in this text, it's actually called the ark of the covenant. Why? Because the covenant was the promise that God had made to the nation. So now here it is, that as they carry this ark, as they step into this flooded Jordan River, this obstacle that's before them, they had God's presence, but they also had God's promises. And so, so the Ark of a Covenant was a sign of that. This land that God had promised their forefather Abraham and had made a covenant with Moses, their previous leader. And now, as actually said through Joshua, I'm going to give you this promised land. God has promises. And He's not a God that should change His mind. He doesn't change His mind. He's not arbitrary. He doesn't just kind of look at you and say, well, today I promise this and tomorrow, no, no, no. He doesn't do that. He doesn't change what God says is yes and amen. And so when He promises these things to us, we need to say, actually, that is mine to take. That's how I get stronger when I begin to stand on His promises. And the third thing is this. And the musicians, they can come and join me up on stage. That'll be great. They had to get their feet wet. They had to get their feet wet. You know, you'll not get any stronger in faith by standing on the river bank. You can have God's presence with you. You can have the promise with you. You can have all this stuff going for you. But the priests, even though they were carrying the presence, even though they had the promises, they actually had to still do something else. They had to physically get into the river and get their feet wet. Some of you are spending too much time on the bank. Hello? I presume it's gone quiet because you realize he could be talking to me. But you could be kind of standing in this place where, 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 where you're just kind of standing on the banks. But faith is about stepping into the unknown and choosing to trust God and his promises above whatever might actually lie ahead of you. It's where, where we take what seems like the great, what is the greatest risk, but it's actually exactly the opposite. It's where we tap into and open the doors to His power and strength to work in us and into that situation. I'm sure that once again there were moments of doubt they were confronting these priests. Imagine as they put their foot in the water and as they just began to feel the surge of the water. They could see there's probably logs and all kinds of things going past them and they're probably remembering about those that have been lost in the flood previously, probably people they knew. And then they're all being faced with all these things and, and they're stumbling as they're trying to carry, the, carry the, the ark on their shoulders, this heavy weight. I don't know if you've ever tried to carry a heavy weight of water. And, and their footing is kind of like all over the place and it's uncertain. I'm sure there were many doubts and fearful thoughts, but it says that as their feet hit the water, I love that. Because God doesn't hold out on us. 
It says as their feet hit the water, the waters backed up from stream and stopped flowing. I want you to think right now about that moment as they were in this. They've gone from this moment of doubt, but they said, I'm going to trust God anyway. And as they go in and they, and they begin to put their feet in, and as their feet touch the water, they begin to see this miracle unfolding before them. I want you to think about what was exploding inside of them now. I want you to think that where there was fear and doubt and unbelief, because they stepped out in obedience and they trusted God, all of a sudden they're now seeing something supernatural begin to happen. And I can imagine just the praise. I can imagine the worship. I can imagine the excitement. I can imagine the thrill. I can imagine them just kind of going, wow, wow, look at this. Look what's happening. It's happening just as Joshua said it would. It's a miracle. But the miracle only happened because they got their feet wet. Not before. Not before. For some of you, you need to take that step. Stop waiting for the miracle and step out and begin to activate the miracle. Stop waiting for the miracle and just begin to step out and activate the miracle. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. The one is you have to stop relying on yourself and yet you have to start relying on God. Start activating the miracle. Some of you need to take that step and actually begin to choose to forgive someone. You're waiting for healing. You're waiting for restoration. You need to take the step and get your feet wet. And begin to forgive. Oh, but they should. Don't entertain that stuff. You just get your feet wet. And then watch the miracle that God begins to do. Some of you, you may need to stop playing the victim card. And get off the bank and into the water of faith and start believing for that miracle. Some, you might need to sow that financial gift that God's been speaking to you about that you've been heads in the dark. Some of you are going to need to speak to that family member, that neighbor about your story and God's love for them. Some, you're going to have to start taking the plunge and start that business that God has laid in your heart because He wants you to help resource the kingdom. Some of you need to stop being spiritual. Get involved. I love the fact that right now I got taken to a real secret back room in this building. I went down little corridors and little, and I got like through this little thing and back alleys, and I'm like, where is Sal taking me? He's gonna mug me. I mean, look at him. It's dangerous hanging out with this guy. But we come around the corner, come around the corner, we open the door, and there's this beaming, smiling face. One of your kids work there. What's his name? Tanaka. And he's in this back room somewhere, working with the older kids. And he's and you can just see he's so excited about what God's gonna do in that little back room that no one can see. Get involved. Get involved. Stop being a spectator. Get involved. Put your feet in the water. Shake off the labels. Get radical. God does an amazing thing. And every time we choose to get our feet wet, God does something amazing. One of my assistants, they can bring, we've got a little bit of a thing that I, I'd love us to do here this morning. 
Won't you stand with me, please? I really feel there's some people, today's a, a D-Day for you. Today's a Jordan cr- uh, Crossing River, Jordan River Crossing Day for you. Today's a day that He wants you to kind of step out of that which you've been fearful of and that which you've been holding back on, that which has been intimidating you, that which has kind of been trying to convince you. And God wants you to get stronger. And you're thinking that actually it just starts with, oh, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for that moment in the service. No, no, your moment in the service is right now. And it's going to come when you actually do something, when you activate your faith, when you begin to actually say, God, I'm going to get my feet wet today. I'm not going to be a bank dweller anymore. I'm not going to be someone who's going to be standing waiting for it all to happen for me. I'm going to put my foot into that thing that's intimidating me, that's flooding before me, and I'm going to trust your strength, God. I've got your presence with me. I've got your promises with me. And God, I know that you're for us, not against us. And I'm going to put my foot into that water. And I know that as soon as I do that, that you're going to back up that which seems impenetrable. And we're going to cross over. Do you know that the whole nation crossed over because of those priests and it says only once the priests stepped out of the water did the river actually come back and start flooding again don't underestimate the power of getting your feet wet I love an illustration I always love to do something that people remember because they won't remember what I said but they'll remember what they did And there's a message here that I feel that for some of us here today, today's your day. This morning's your moment. God wants you to get out and He wants you to say, and we've got these buckets up here, containers, it's all got water in. Funny, that's speaking about getting your feet wet. You know what's coming now. But I really believe for some of you, I'm going to ask you to do something this morning. I did a similar thing in our church here probably about six weeks ago. It's a powerful moment. Just watching people just coming and putting their feet, taking their shoes off, putting their feet in this water. And there's nothing holy about this water. There's nothing magical about this water. But there's something about when you activate your faith and you do something in response to the Word of God that kind of just opens up your spirit, opens up the heavens, invites the presence of God. And I'm believing that as you do that this morning, you're going to get stronger. You're going to feel that as you take that step of faith, because right now, there'll be some of you, your voice is going in your head thinking, I'm not going to do that. That's going to look stupid. What's my wife? What's my husband? What's my boyfriend? What's about that girl I'm trying to impress? What's she going to think? Let me tell you guys, if you want to impress the girl, put your feet in the water. Hello? We have a thing in our church. We do this tap, tap. You guys don't do that. So make it a thing. Tap, tap. That means that, means that was cool. Good word. Tap, tap. Some of you are thinking, you know, oh, no, no, but, you know, what if, what if someone sees me? What if this? Well, I'm a leader. I'm this, I'm that. You've got all these kind of reasons in your head. Today's your day. I'm not here by accident. And I was asking God what message I, wish I should share with you. I've got many, and I just feel like God say to me, this is the word that this house needs. Because how many of you know that this is great, but you haven't arrived? How many of you know that this facility is awesome? I'm envious. But how many of you know you haven't arrived? How many of you know there's more services to be had? Some of you, oh, that was very quiet. Some of you are just like, whoo. 
just came from having two services in the morning. Now we've gone down to one. We're in a spacious place. Yes, I know. Enjoy it. But how do you know that there's still more services that need to happen in this place in the future? That's going to require people who are going to step up. I'm trying to ground it practically. You're trusting God for that miracle. You're trusting God for that loved one. You're trusting God for that financial breakthrough. You're trusting God for that contract to land. You're trusting God for that breakthrough in that thing that's been habitually grabbing you. Whatever that thing is, we're going to worship. I'm going to invite the team. We're going to just sing. and I'm going to invite you. Make your way down here. Come and stand in the water. Put your feet in the water. Just say, God, I'm, I'm, today I'm making a prophetic statement. I'm going to do that. And I'm believing that as we do that, that God's going to do something. Something's going to happen as you feel that water coming upon you. That you're going to begin to just feel strength just coming into your body. Strength and power. Strength and power. Thank you, Lord. listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.